0: everybody, listening to Sit Down Stand Standups. I'm Ari Azizian, and my guest today is one of my favorite comedians, Mr. Eddie Ift. Eddie's been on everything from Comedy Central to Chelsea Lately to Last Comic Standing and much, much more. Uh, he has a great podcast called Talking Shit with Eddie Ift. It's on iTunes. If you haven't heard it yet, definitely go check it out. It's super funny. And he has a bunch of great comedy albums you can buy and listen to on iTunes like Jokes to Make My Friends Laugh and Live from Australia. This was a really fun episode. Eddie was nice enough to invite me over to his beautiful home in Malibu where we got to talk about comedy and he even gave me a tour of the Bengal bus, which was awesome. All right, here's the episode.
1: Uh, I was just in Las Vegas at, uh, at, uh, what's it called? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's a nice club. Yeah. Super nice. You're a comic, right? Yeah, I just yeah. started like a couple years ago. And you, smart that you work at the uh, um, Comedy Magic Club. Good yeah. way to meet everyone. Oh my gosh. Are we recording?
0: Yeah, we could start whenever. Oh, whenever you want. Yeah. Yeah, like working there has been like the greatest. Like, yeah, good homework. experience. I, w- <laughs> yeah. I wish I had done that. How did you get started out? Mm. Like, how'd you even like. Because for me I didn't even really know like you could do stand up until like way late I feel like.
1: yeah me too I was late in life i I remember i uh I always wanted to be like an enter- I, I wished I could yeah this is gonna suck okay. uh, ah, I should be okay okay yeah um i I grew up in Pittsburgh okay and it's not really known that you can do entertainment there like not <laughs> right. many people go into the entertainment world so when I was in high school. I had no concept that it was possible. Harlow, watch out. My dog is uh, <laughs> all tangled in your cords. Cause she likes she likes the newest person that comes to visit. <laughs> and uh, she'll pay attention to you the whole time. Because she just she, cuddled right next to me. Yeah, she's like, a whore. <laughs> don't, 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 <laughs> don't feel privileged. If Hitler walked in, she'd be sitting <laughs> with him right now. I she's, love Harlow. She's a horrible, horrible <laughs> whore. I... I don't have any respect for that dog. <laughs> um, yeah, so I started in Pittsburgh uh, doing stand-up because, well, I always wanted to be an entertainer, but I didn't have any talent or any skill. Like, I didn't, I didn't go to drama school or drama class. I didn't know how to sing. I didn't know how to dance. I couldn't do shit. <laughs> and but I, I guess I, could, I was like a class clown, and. Uh, When I did, I went to college and I was just an idiot in college. And then after college, I I went to work for my dad and I was miserable. That's exactly what I did. Miserable. Like I, I was so depressed. I was like, you mean this is the rest of my life? What what does your dad do? He sells insurance. Okay. And I was like, this is what I'm going to be doing. (laughs) And I had to wear a suit every day and drive down this highway to my dad's office in downtown Pittsburgh and I remember just thinking I'm driving off one of these bridges (laughs) I'm driving off one of these bridges because this is just like I wish they had told me that at like age 22 your life is over right and that it it just becomes
0: this and uh that's what happened to me, too. I graduated college, and my dad, he does ice cream. Like, he distributes ice cream. Uh-huh. So he has a huge freezer at his warehouse. Right. And every day I just go to work. I'm like, what if I just went in the freezer and just locked the, locked door, the door and just, and, just, and just, <laughs> like this is the worst. But, like,
1: it's not depressing for your dad because he built that. Right. He, he loves that. that. Com- that's yeah. his passion. Yeah. And that's how my dad was. And it was his baby, and he created it. And I just kept thinking, like, I'm named after my dad mm-hmm. with the same name. I went to the same schools as him same college joined the same fraternity played the same sports and i was like i i want to do my own thing like i can't i can't just be mini me right so did you feel obligated like you almost had to follow yeah yeah fuck yeah Yeah. i felt like that and there was a lot of pressure like family pressure that that's what i had to do and my one sister was like you don't have to she's like go do whatever the fuck you want to do wow and the rest of the family was like you got to do this, you know, like I right. built this business, you take it over. And I was like, Oh no. <laughs> so, um, when I left, most of them were not upset. I mean, they probably didn't care so much. My mom and dad were upset, but, uh, they were, they were somewhat supportive. I wouldn't say supportive. They were,
0: how no, they were weren't, you, how they weren't are you really you supportive at all.
1: They just, they didn't, they didn't see a future in it. Right. And, uh, you know, they, your parents are always looking out for your best interest. They're not being selfish. Right. They're going, you know, we, we don't want you to starve to death. And uh, uh,
0: there's no insurance in comedy <laughs>
1: there. It's so funny because there are times when, you know, I'm on top of the world and things are going great. You know, I'm on a TV show or I'm traveling all over the world. And I'm staying in these five-star resorts and and I'm just like, yeah, they were so <laughs> wrong. <laughs> and then there's other times when like, You know, 16 people will hang up the phone on me and say no, you know, after saying no to me. And, um, and I, you know, my, my bank account's not as full as it usually is. And I, you know, uh, I had bad shows and I'm sitting there thinking they were right. Mom and dad were right. (laughs) (laughs) And even as far as I've come, I'm still like, there's still those times, like a few times a year where I'm like, "Eh, maybe I should have listened to them. (laughs) So it never goes away. Yeah. Um you know i have more money now more possession more things but more to lose right <laughs> more more bills more debt more you know everything and so it it just never gets easy oh jeez yeah trust me <laughs> i was worried yeah I not one day no i mean there's certain things yeah. like i you know in the beginning i was when i first moved to new york to do stand up i'd been doing stand up like a year in pittsburgh i moved to new york and i was really poor and you know like collecting bottles my friends would throw a party And I'd just be looking around thinking, keep drinking everybody (laughs) because I'm taking these bottles in tomorrow (laughs) to get lunch. Oh, man. Yeah. It was that
0: bad. How old were you when you moved to New York? I think I was 24. Okay.
1: (laughs) My daughter is crying because she wants to be part of this. She's looking outside. Uh, Yeah, 24. How old are you? 24. Yeah. Yep, That's about the best. Uh, I mean, I see these guys start young and it's usually an advantage because they're just very aware. But they also miss out on a lot of life experience. Ooh, bless, excuse me, I have like some kind of weird allergy or something or AIDS. Um, <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> yeah, it's either allergies or AIDS. Um, she is so upset that she she sees me talking on your bright red microphone and she's like, "That looks like so much fun." <laughs> she could be a special guest. Yeah, look at her. Oh, she's she's trying to figure it out. She's about how old is she? At? I'm not sure. <laughs> Somebody asked me how old she was at a comedy club, Uh, a manager of a comedy club, Mm -hmm. because she was with me during the like, sound check during the daytime. Yeah, and uh, I don't ever do sound checks, but I was there, so I I don't know why I just said sound check. (laughs) (laughs) Dress rehearsal. (laughs) It's a long story. I'll get back to that, but she goes, "How old's your daughter?" And I was like, "I don't know," and. Because I don't know the months. I know when she was born. Yeah. I don't count the months. <laughs> and I hate when people do that. They're like, oh, she's 19 months. I'm like, thanks for making me do math. Right. Like, thanks. It's a year so, and what? Yeah. So I go, I don't know. And then I go to my wife, who should know. I go, how old is he? And she goes, I don't know. <laughs> and then the other manager goes... Later that night, she's like, "Yeah, the other manager thought you guys kidnapped your baby, because <laughs> like, who doesn't know how old their baby is?" The two of you just went, "I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> maybe one." Maybe. Yeah, she's like, she's closer to two now, ballpark two. But I don't say like, you know, like you don't go, "Hey, I'm close. I'm almost. I'm, 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 seven thousand months." <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, tw- uh, how old do you say you are? Twenty-four I for the joke. <laughs> can't even do the math and say, I guess it would be two hundred twenty-four. 288. 20. Is that right? That makes sense. 12. Yeah. Am I right? Almost 300. I can't believe we're trying to do math Two comedians. <laughs> we can't do that. Um, yeah. It'd be like you saying like, yeah, I'm 293 months old <laughs> and I, I would want to smack you. So <laughs> Yeah,
0: what is the number where people just start saying two and three? Like, is it 19, 20? Is that the threshold? Like, 23 months?
1: I, I guess. I, years I, old. I think it's stupid. I yeah. think you should say, t- are they closer to one or closer to two? Yeah. <laughs> I'll round up if I ask. Can you imagine if you if, if I asked you how old you were and you went, I'm 24 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> like, when you stop using halves. Yeah, because after 21, it doesn't matter anymore. Like It's just
0: whatever. 21? <laughs> you
1: better stop saying half at six. <laughs> if you were like, I'm 12 and a half, I'd be like, all right, you little weirdo. <laughs> you get kicked out of a bar. No,
0: I swear to God, I'm 20 and a half. Yeah. Just me
1: yeah. You're, not, you're, you're not ready for puberty. So why'd you do stand-up? Why, what happened? You uh, just couldn't handle the ice cream? I couldn't
0: handle it anymore. <laughs> Too many drums. So... My dogs are
1: real protectors. Oh.
0: Uh, I got into, like, improv in college, uh-huh. like, on accident. Like, my friends, I would just always hang out with those guys, the improv team.
1: Hey, come here, now. Noosa, come here. Uh, so you just happen to be friends with somebody who was in there. Yeah, like, all my friends were, like, hilarious, like, way funnier than me. Yeah, I think that's all of us. Yeah. I think every comedian has that. I could point out probably about four or five of my friends that are funnier than me. It's so weird because, like, I'll see them and they're, like, all becoming, like, they're going
0: into, like, actual jobs and stuff. And they're, like, you're the one. Like, I can't believe you're the one out of all
1: of us. It's called You're the One with Balls. Right,
0: yeah. Um, (laughs) Or Too Stupid to Know When to I always
1: thought I would do it and then I would bring them in. That's what I always thought, too. Yeah, but by the time you get there, you're, like, fuck off. I did all this hard work. (laughs) You're not going to ride my coattails now. (laughs) When you had that cushy job, that corporate <laughs> job where you had healthcare and benefits and dental, you had <laughs> dental. I'm not. I'm not letting you on my TV show.
0: <laughs> yeah, I always thought you get a TV show or movie. And it's it's funny because right
1: now, you know, we just made the pilot for my show, and the show is my friends, and me, and my friends are in the show. They're the people I work with now. Oh, it's wow. not my like true nearest dearest friends that because. The truth is they wouldn't be capable of doing it either. Right. They wouldn't have the skills. Yeah. and uh, They'll freeze up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they would totally freeze up. And uh, you forget how, you know, I've been doing this 20 years and how it just becomes kind of second nature. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'm like, I. if you ask me like completely honestly, if I have any talent, I'd be like, no, I don't have any fucking talent. <laughs> you know, I just told jokes on stage and eventually figured it out. But you don't realize how much you really know when it comes to entertaining or being in front of a camera. So I just take it all for granted a little bit. But so your friends, fuck them. Let them go, <laughs> let them go get their dental. Right, yeah. <laughs> they get good teeth and then you get the TV show. Yeah.
0: What What is the new show that you're working on?
1: Um, it's called The Bingle Show. Oh, cool. B- B-I-N-G-L-E for The Bingle Bus. Uh, and I have a mobile studio. It's funny. Um, I talk about it a lot now and I'm like kind of, you know, when you break your arm and everybody's like, what happened to your arm? You got to tell the story over and over again. I used to have a joke about it. Um, I broke my ankle and people were like, what happened to your ankle? And I just go, I was born like this. (laughs) Um, the, as a stand-up, you know, you get sick of your old jokes. So you get sick of telling any story. Well, I, the show hasn't even been picked up. And I'm, like, over-talking about it <laughs> to the point where I'm like, I better learn how to, like, enjoy telling what it is. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, if it gets picked up, I'm going to have to talk about it a lot more than I do now. <laughs> and already I'm like, okay, so it's the show. Um <laughs> What if you go on like Letterman? And you're like, all right, is this show? Uh... I wish I had uh, like a one-liner about the show that was just so fucking funny mm-hmm. that that's what I could say. Like I remember Jimmy Kimmel describing uh, uh, "Windy City Heat" once, and he said, "It's like candid camera, but the victim's the same person every time," <laughs> and it was such a good like log line that. I wish I could say that about the Bingle show, it, but to, to try to summarize what it is, it, it's a, it's a show behind a show. It's cool. I have a shitty podcast that I do on a mobile studio, which is a short school bus with a bunch of my retarded friends. <laughs> and the show is about the show. That's awesome. So it's behind the scenes. What's happening, how Whoa. we get our guests, the things that go wrong, the fights we have, the difficulties, the travel, uh, because we can take it anywhere. So um, uh, they just basically saw that I have this dysfunctional group and that it's not going to require a lot of writers because we're so dysfunctional that it writes itself. Yeah. And my sidekick is this guy, Jason Auer, who is hilarious in in a... You know you just shake your head like is this guy real <laughs> and i have worked with him for five years and know what positions to put him in like i know how to back him into a corner that he'll come out fighting and when he comes out fighting it's the funniest thing <laughs> in the world so i know exactly how to push his buttons yeah. but it's a real delicate balance because he walks off the show a lot Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah and then i gotta go like make videos where i sing neil diamond to him or and i think jim did that uh, my old partner um I think he sang. I sang something else to him once. I made a video, of... but there's all kinds of different ways. We have to bring him back because he he walks about once once every three months,
0: <laughs> just completely off. The show. Well, I don't
1: blame him. We've done some horrible things to him. That's awesome. I mean, you could watch a compilation video on YouTube of him getting like punched in the face or stomach or, uh, you know, I used to send him on dates with hookers and not tell him they were hookers. <laughs> yeah, he's been the the. The poor man, like, if we don't get a TV show, I, I'm pretty sure he'll murder me. Because <laughs> he's, he's basically put all his eggs in his basket. Like, all right, I'll take this abuse because there's a means to an end. Right. But if it doesn't happen, then he's dying. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. It's horrible.
0: He's gonna murder me. That bus is so cool, though. Too. Did you like? You designed everything so, on that bus um, yourself?
1: I, I, I can't take any credit for that. I, I. The, Basically, what I it was just my idea was like, hey, I'm going to get a short school bus and it'll be funny. And then in my head, I said, we'll we'll make it nice inside. But I didn't know it was going to be so nice. Right. I'll take you through it on the way out. We did a Kickstarter and we started raising all this money. And I got the money like I I didn't I didn't make a budget. I just went, uh, eh, here's an arbitrary number. Yeah. And I said fifty yeah. thousand. We'll do it. And then we started getting more than fifty thousand. Wow. And I was like, and so then I made the mistake of going to a place like a, a place that like pimps your ride. Yeah. I hate saying that. <laughs> I go in and, uh, and I'm like, yeah, I want to make like a studio in there, yeah. you know, like couches and TVs and make it like cool. And <laughs> they're like, how much you got? <laughs> oh jeez. And I'm the idiot. I'm like, I got this. Here's my <laughs> bank statement. Take it all. You know? So I basically said to them, this is all I can spend. Mm hmm. And then they spent all of that and went, We need more. And I went, That that was it. And I didn't set any money aside for the Kickstarter rewards. Oh yeah. And I just figured, ah, this is, you know, a couple t shirts and some posters. How Mm -hmm. much can that be? And then we started sending them and I was like, Oh my God, I've got to use all the Kickstarter money (laughs) to send T shirt to send t like I, I I had no Concept. Uh so if if you're out there and you want to do a Kickstarter, budget. Budget, budget, budget. (laughs) Like it costs thirteen dollars to send a poster to Australia. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah. A poster was $25 donation. The poster's a dollar. The container was like three or four dollars. There's four (laughs) dollars. It costs more. And then and then uh thirteen. So it was like seventeen dollars. So we would net (laughs) we would net like Like eight, seven, eight dollars or something on a poster. Wow.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's beautiful though, because like from the outside, it's kind of has like a rusty. Yeah, we rat rotted it. Yeah,
1: yeah. um, The inside is beautiful. So I wanted to keep. The goal was to keep it yellow. Okay. And uh, I bought the bus, and the guy, as we're leaving, he's like, "By the way, you gotta paint it within uh, ten days." And I go, "What?" He goes, "By law, you have to paint it." It can't be yellow. with it. And I was like, you ruined my whole joke. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me that before I bought it? And he was like, sorry, that's the law. And I was like, well, the whole joke is that we're in a short school bus. So now I own this bus. And I, So we were like, what What can we do that's funny? And I thought, well, let's make it look like a piece of shit. <laughs> so, so I had a friend of mine, a fan of the show, this guy Randy Puga, who's awesome. He's a set designer, oh cool, on uh, movies. Yeah, and he's like on all the top movies. And he came out and he's like, "What do you want? Whatever you want, I can make it look whatever you want." Wow. And uh, a guy you might know who's on the open mic circuit, Tony Solano. I've heard of the name. He's an animator, and uh-huh. he designed all the logos and everything. So they came out, they designed it, did it, um, and then. Uh, we had uh, I'm friends with Ty Pennington from Extreme Home okay. Makeover yeah so he came on the bus and kind of told us what to do wow <laughs> functionality wise and then uh, uh, this guy Gabe Zamora I went on his he, he worked there at uh, at uh, this this uh, uh, I went to a car stereo place build it I saw Alan Ed's on Wilshire in Santa Monica yeah did the whole thing Whoa. Like they did all the construction. You'll see the construction right. inside, and uh, it was just amazing. Yeah, like I didn't know they could do that stuff. And the stuff they did is incredible. It's it's wired completely. Sound, audio, visual. There's cameras everywhere. There's that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Except for that, we just had a rat eat all the wires.
0: Oh no. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, living up here in the woods, you get. <laughs> you get... My dad we... has this tiny ice cream truck uh-huh. like on his lot and just never runs. It's been there for like maybe fifteen years. I was like, Dad, let me just have that and I'll turn it into like my own like podcast thing. Right. And I could just never figure out like how I was gonna get it going. Oh. I was yeah. like, if I put anything in there it'll just be so loud that I won't be able to record anybody and... Yeah,
1: it's uh that's an issue is yeah. um So the no power air condition. <laughs> yeah. The power doesn't run from the bus, the power runs from a generator. Oh, okay. or plugging into something like we that was something we had to really think about was do we do we use batteries do we use this do we use that batteries need charged again then you get an alternator then you got to run the car to right. run the batteries uh so we have like a really silent generator cool but it's not that silent but then you got to put it on the ground so like when the police show up and you gotta leave really quickly. <laughs> you gotta go outside, unplug the generator, grab it, go. So the generator's like twelve hundred dollars yeah uh, so there's it's there's a lot of issues, but hopefully the show gets picked up, and it's not my problem anymore <laughs> like i if it gets picked up, I can't wait to just go. Hey your problem (laughs) you own this bus whatever network has this this is yours flat tires generators yeah we've had the flat tires (laughs) we've had the the rats eat through the wires that cost a fortune oh gosh Uh, so if you're listening and you're a fan of the bingle show you'll get your kickstarter reward someday and
0: it's talking shit yeah 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 Yeah. i love the show and the videos on youtube too like you guys just like in there. It's so like you guys have, have like a Playstation, right? Yeah. Like everything. Yeah. It's yeah. so cool.
1: We uh I don't know why I put that in there and then it was funny. I put the Playstation in one day and I put in a a, a squirrel's head that's like mounted <laughs> and it's got a cowboy hat and two guns in its hands. That's rad. <laughs> and that costs like a hundred and fifty dollars and the PlayStation was like six hundred dollars or something. And I i Jason's like never made a dollar on the show. Neither have I. But Jason feels like he's earned it yeah because all the money goes back into the show that we make Jason's like really really I can't pay my rent and you're buying a squirrel's head (laughs) he's like you could have just given me that 150 (laughs) dollars and I was like sorry so uh the show (laughs) yeah I I basically that's the way I, I looked at it I was like I should spend every single dollar on making like taking my chance taking my shot with this Making it awesome, and then if it doesn't work, I'll figure something out. But yep. but I can't leave anything on the table and go, oh, you know, maybe if we did this, maybe if we hadn't done that. So, but I do have an obligation to the fans too. I've probably only gotten there were I think there were six hundred people that donated. Wow, and probably oh. only like three hundred have gotten their Kickstarter rewards still. <laughs> so it's it constantly it's like a black cloud hanging <laughs> over me. But um. It's, it's not even just the, the, the sending, it's also the, the work of doing it all. Right. I mean, it's amazing.
0: Rolling up posters. Yeah. And d- oh. <laughs> well, tell me about how, like, so you left Pittsburgh and you went to
1: New York. Left Pittsburgh. Just totally on a whim, kind of? Or I like... was doing comedy for about nine months, I think, okay. in Pittsburgh. And, uh, like any other new comic, I jumped in, like, after the first night, I was, I was telling people, they're like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, I'm a stand-up comedian. <laughs> and uh, they're like, oh, full-time? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I do. I've made about $200. I'm a stand-up comedian. And I, it just, it, it, it gave me, like, purpose and significance. And all of a sudden, I've, I had a new lease on life. I, I thought, oh, I'm not going to be selling insurance. There's a, and so I, I, I probably thought I was way better than I was and I, I, I was lucky. I got some, you know, some people were really good to be in Pittsburgh and gave me spots and put me on and, uh, There's an
0: improv there, right?
1: There was, an, but at the time there wasn't an improv, there was oh, okay. a, there was a funny bone. Oh, cool. And I remember, I think it was Loose Black that came through that I pestered and he said to me, you're funny, why are you here? And it was I said, Cause this is where I grew up mm-hmm. and he was telling me that I should go to New York or pit or LA and that I shouldn't stay in Pittsburgh. But I had a sister in the business and she said to me, she managed actors and actresses out of Los Angeles. She was an assistant. And so she was my, the only person in the world I knew in show business. And she wasn't at the time doing anything, you know, she was as low level as you get. But she was my reference point. And I said, hey, I, I think I'm really good at this. I She's like, no, you're not. Stay in Pittsburgh. You don't realize how tough it is out here. Right. Come here in New York when you're talented. Like when you finally achieve some success. And Lewis told me the opposite. He was he was going, you're young. This is when your chances. Yeah. By the time you're talented, you... No one gives a fuck. Go. So, uh, so I told my dad I had to like sit my dad down. It was like telling him I was gay. <laughs> I was. I said uh, I need to speak to you. I made him sit down, and I said uh, he could tell that I was just miserable. And, he, and I said I'm. I was like, Dad, I'm a, I'm a stand-up comedian. And he was like, Oh my God, why couldn't you just be gay? he's like, I was thinking you were going to say you're gay, and I was hoping that. I was prepared for that. I'm not prepared for this. So, this is way worse. <laughs> no, my dad was good. He said, go, go do it. He said, what do you have to do? I said, I either have to go to New York or L.A. And he said, uh, well, what are you waiting for? I went, I don't have any money. He goes, well, get used to it. And he said, go, and I just want you to know I'm all for it, but I won't help you at all. And I thought it was sort of like he was punishing me Mm -hmm. for not staying. But it was he knew if he helped me, I would never succeed. Yeah. And it was the smartest thing he ever did. I mean, to this day, I thank him for that because I wouldn't have, you know, I would have been like, oh, I'll just wait for that check from my dad. Right. And uh, I, I don't have to go to the clubs tonight. Yeah. But I was so desperate and so struggling so hard that I had to like just you know kind of go crazy i was thinking this week i i i don't work this week uh i'm off and i scheduled a show every single night and i don't have to yeah and it's still i have that work ethic from 20 years ago because it's such a hard fucking business right that i'm you know i remember i remember running a cab with colin quinn once and i was young and he was you know well well established and we were sharing a cab from one club to the other, and I go, why, why are you doing this? <laughs> why are you out in the clubs every night? And I didn't get it then, because I thought, you get famous, you buy a Porsche, <laughs> and you fuck models. Right? <laughs> why, why do you Why do you still go to the clubs? And uh, Colin said, because I hate little punks like you <laughs> that write good jokes, and I see you up there on stage, and I'm like, ah." Oh. And he, I don't think he said I write good j-. He didn't mean me. He meant, like, young... And so, but I get what he was saying. You see people coming up and they're good. And you, it, it's, you know, you want to stay in the game. Right. So, uh, so I just, I, I went out and this is, I think it's a little different now with the internet, but I really would go out uh, seven nights a week wow. and do, my goal was to go to as many clubs as I could. And if it were. Even if I didn't have a spot, just try to show my face. And, and it got to the point where I was doing like 7 to 10 shows a night. in. Oh, my in, gosh. Wow. In I think my record was 11. But uh, I would do about 7 shows every weekend night. Whoa. And on weeknights, like 2 to 3, maybe 4. That's crazy. And just every single night be out in the clubs doing comedy. Because I believe that's what got you better. Uh I don't know if it worked, but... I mean,
0: like, how crazy of an improvement did you notice from, like, doing it in Pittsburgh and then doing it, like, 10 times a night? Uh, Well, I mean, that was the thing back then. We didn't have...
1: We're talking 20 years ago. We didn't have... We had the internet, but we didn't have it like they do now, and every comic didn't post videos on it, and you couldn't watch the amount of stand-up comedy. You didn't have the access to it. So the access you had was in New York, Mm -hmm. and you got to watch... At the time when I got there, the big names were Mark Maron, Todd Berry, Jeff Ross, uh, Jim Gaffigan, Greg Fitzsimmons, Louis C.K., and Dave Attell. Wow. And they were the guys that were on every single night that you would go watch, and Kevin Brennan, and, and you would watch these guys night in, night out, and that's where you kind of develop your style. Yep. Whereas now, you can go on the internet and watch anyone you want and develop your style or you know i i feel like you can grow so much quicker now than you could then so being in new york i had access to a lot more than i would have in pittsburgh or even you know like yeah you know, east Cabot. you know think if you live in the middle of some rural place where right. only stand up comedy is evening at the improv exactly <laughs> so uh what were you a seller guy Yeah, yeah. Um, Not initially. I hung out there, though I did my... I sat at the table and got picked on. Excuse me, these fucking allergies. That's okay. I sat at the table for a little bit, and it's a cold place. You know, they can be cruel. Yeah. And I remember a comic by the name of John Bush, who I'm still friends with to this day, a Minneapolis comic was nice to me and talked to me like I was his equal. Yeah. He didn't treat me like, what the fuck? You know, there's a joke at the cellar where you take the comics only. Uh, There's a little uh, table stand that says comics only. Mm -hmm. And uh, whenever somebody sits down, like a friend that's a comic, you put it in front of them like, Mm -hmm. you're not allowed to sit here. (laughs) And it's an old joke, and everyone used to do it all the time. And you'd (laughs) sit down. And they would make you feel so badly at that table (laughs) And uh, John Bush was like, Hey, and I felt like, okay, I, I can come here now and I can talk to him. And then I probably, I don't know what the order was the clubs that I got into, but I worked a lot at goth, uh, mostly Stand Up New York, New York comedy club, uh, comic strip. Then I got passed, uh, which was a tough one. That was, that was at the time it was maybe even more prestigious than the Cellar, Right. Uh, and then I started working at the Boston Comedy Club, which was right around the corner from the cellar. And I would go down to the cellar and hang out a lot. And my manager at the time was a guy named Jason Steinberg. And he called Esty and said, can you give him a tryout? Because they say the way you try out is you got to have two comic recommendations. You have to be on TV. And you have to be passed at all the other clubs. Mm-hmm. So I had some of those, but I didn't have all of them. And Esty gave me a, gave me a shot. And I couldn't believe she passed me. And she would put me on really late at night. I mean, 1.45 every night. Wow. And I would follow Atel a lot. Oh, my God. And uh, uh, Atel liked to go on late, I think. Uh, or, or that Estee thought he was so dirty that she had to put him towards the back of the show. But I would be at the back. Some other guys were like Judah Friedlander, Artie Fuqua... Uh, I'm trying but I mean she was really good to me sometimes seven nights a week and I started going there and to the point now where it's almost exclusive the the only club I go to in New York yeah I mean I'll do spots here and there but when I'm in New York it's the cellar all the way and Esty has just been amazing I mean I can see how like if she's not good to you I can see how you wouldn't like her but if she's good to you there's no better person in the world to have on your side but she's also fair She's really fucking fair, (laughs) which I think irks a lot of comics that they can't say, oh, she books this guy because he's on this or she books this guy because he does this. She watches and if you get laughs, you get to stay. And she likes original material and she doesn't want you doing the same shit over and over. And so she's a really tough judge. Yeah. And it's I it's a real honor to work there. And it's so funny. It, the, the fear never goes away. Like, when you go on stage at the Comedy Cell, you're like, I got to fucking bring it. Yeah. <laughs> Other clubs, I can I can sit back and go, I'm going to try this, or I'm going to try—not the Cellar. I'm like—because, you know, the waitresses are watching. They get back to Esty you have to wow, crush yeah. it yeah
0: and that's why the club's great i never got to see a show there but when i was there i was able to just go down and just like look at the room and it's such a cool like yeah. just the layout of it it's yeah. awesome. it's so like small and compact and intimate it's
1: it's a pretty pretty amazing place and uh, now that it's become so super popular it's even building more mystique but and luckily luckily i've worked there so many times that when i go there it doesn't phase me yeah i know don't fuck around but i also feel really comfortable mm-hmm. where some clubs you never feel comfortable just never ever <laughs> uh, you know there's still clubs that i work that i'm like why 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 is this awkward <laughs> yeah yeah
0: how, how many years were you in new york before you 10 years up? 10 years
1: okay nine or 10 and then then i moved out to la to do a tv show that got canceled like the week i got here What was the show? It was this it was a pilot and the guy said, Look, you know, the networks love this thing. Come out here, we're gonna do it. I forget the name of it at this point. It was like a revenge show. Oh, okay. And the guy was like, You're gonna host it, blah, blah, blah. So I we did some some stuff for it. I come out here thinking, you know, I knew the money that I was gonna make and I was like, Oh, this is gonna be great and the day I landed, they're like Hey, yeah, we, we we think we're not going to go forward with it anymore. Oh, and no. I went, okay, uh, I don't have any money. <laughs> so, uh, I was living at the time with a comedian named Steve Byrne. Oh, cool. In, uh, Venice. And I, I, to me, I was, I had enough for like next month's rent and I went, shit. So I called my agent in England. I was like, Hey, can you get me some work? He's like, yeah, no problem. So I flew to England for like six months and wow. I was just sending my rent money back. <laughs> I was, I uh, I would work over in England to pay for my place in LA, <laughs> and then I kind of became a road comic, where I wasn't spending much time here. I've been here ten years, and just going out all the time on the road.
0: That's crazy. Like, yeah, I heard you were in England for a long time in Australia as well.
1: Like, yeah, I spent a lot of time in England. How did that come about? Like, England happened. I did the Montreal Comedy Festival, and I met a guy there. Okay. Who was an agent And he said Hey do you ever think About going to England And at the time I had a lot going on I was like Fuck England (laughs) I'm in America We're the best (laughs) You know We're Hollywood (laughs) Yeah And uh And then I had a bunch of shit And it all fell through And I remember like Panicking And I called him on the phone I was like Can I come to England (laughs) And he was like Yeah 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 We'll have you know And I went over And I just I loved it Yeah Because I was Headlining very few places In America and uh you know just not nothing was i had to really hustle mm-hmm. i got to england and they were like here's six months of work you're headlining wow and i was like how am i headlining nobody knows who i am and they're like you're american they'll listen to you <laughs> and uh got booed off stage my first night and then came back i thought i was leaving second night i went on and had a standing ovation and I was like, this is the shit <laughs> And the girls were incredibly, incredibly uh, slutty. (laughs) Like nothing I had ever experienced in my life, you know, where every night I would get off stage and I'd be like, hey, who wants to fuck? (laughs) And girls were like, I do, I do, I do. And I was like, is it the accent? What is, how's this happening? And, uh, and I just liked the attention from girls. Yeah. That. And I started to feel like I'm funnier here. Maybe that's it. Maybe I just, you know, I have something here that I don't have in America. And uh, so I I stayed for a while. And then uh, I would come back and forth. But I was in New York, and a good friend of mine was Australian. And uh, his agent was familiar with me from festivals and stuff. And he said, yeah, my agent will have you come over. So I went to Australia and just fell in love. Wow. And started going there all the time then. And I was lucky. I did a TV show in Australia that um, they only used to have four channels. Oh, really? So it was like doing The Tonight Show in the 80s. That's awesome. And I did the show, and I did well, so I could like do a lot more places and had a bit of a profile. And it was, uh, you know, to me, I've always felt like go where go where they want you mm-hmm. and not where you have resistance. And so... If I ever felt resistance, I would just go, you know, they don't want me. I'm not going to try to force them to like me. So I just went where people liked me. Wow.
0: And I know I'm naive. I don't know, but like in Australia, do they have like a lot of clubs like L.A.? They have. Or is it theaters? So
1: Australia is only 20 million people.
0: Right. And there's the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Which is
1: like the size of New York State, (laughs) the amount of people. Yeah. But they've got, I forget how many capital cities... Maybe six, seven. I don't know. I'm Some I'm Australian, if they're listening, it's gonna be like, "I can't believe you don't know that <laughs> fucking idiot." You, know, American, don't know your geography. <laughs> I know them all. I think uh, <laughs> Western Australia, Northwest Territory, uh, uh, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria. I think I'm missing something, but anyways. So they have like, they have a few major cities. Mm-hmm. Big, big, big cities like like size of Philadelphia. Oh wow! You know, four million people. Yeah, Sydney's big, Melbourne's big, Perth's pretty pretty big, um, and then uh, Brisbane's pretty big. So each one of those, uh, Sydney's got a full time comedy club. Melbourne has a couple, mm-hmm. maybe one. Brisbane has one, and uh, Adelaide's got something going on, and Perth's got something going on, and so that's awesome. Yeah, but there's a lot of other rooms, too. Comedy's huge in Australia comparatively. For only having 20 million people, uh, they've got a lot of comedy going on. Yeah. A ton of comedy. Wow. But, uh, yeah, it's it's not like... I don't understand how the comics do it over there, like how they live, because I don't know how they run around to, like, five clubs. Yeah, and that's, like, a long trip. Yeah, you'd have to go, like... Fly to each park. each club once a month, <laughs> you know, to make a living. Right, but they get a lot of TV work. And stuff. when you, when
0: you go over there, do you just stay in like one area, or do you like the whole? I'll circuit? stay.
1: Uh, I met my wife in this place called Bondi Beach, and oh, cool. we kind of keep that as home. And then I travel all over, but it gets expensive because we have the house here. Uh-huh. Then I got a place over there, and then I got a, uh, you know. So we stay at the place there, and then my wife and the baby will stay there and then I have to travel all over. <laughs> so, you know, you feel like you're paying three rents at once. Right. That's cool though. How are the audiences there? Like, Yeah, same as here. Same as here? Yeah, exactly. yeah exact same. I feel like audiences around the world are almost exactly the same. Scandinavia, they were a little different. Right. Because they have a really dark sense of humor. No way. So <laughs> if you say things that you think are transgressive or subversive, they're like, why? Why should we laugh at that? That's normal. <laughs> You know, like if you say something to shock them, they're like, why, why is that shocking?
0: <laughs> like nothing like, and then
1: I murdered the babies. And they're like, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and then what happened? Yeah. How'd you do it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I was like, was like just like dumbfounded how like you hear like Gabriel Iglesias or like Russell Peters and they're like selling out huge yeah. Yeah, like I in went India to, or I went like... to
1: India with Gabe. No way. Yeah. How was that? Um, it was pretty interesting. It was pretty crazy. We played to like five thousand people every night. That's crazy. And uh, and uh, it was it was uh, I don't know. India's I've kind of gotten over third world. <laughs> like I just as I get older, I'm like I don't care. People are like, well, you got experience. It. Oh, okay, I did. Did <laughs> I don't a lot. Have to be here, yeah. Did a lot. I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of over it. I don't <laughs> like getting. Immunizations. I don't like. <laughs> I don't like dysentery. I don't like. Uh, I don't like getting mugged. Yeah. I, I just. I'm over that. When I was young, it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Oh, I just shit my pants. Great. Got a new story. Oh wow, we just got robbed. Holy shit! A guy threatened to murder me. <laughs> awesome. Ten minutes. Did that happen? Did you guys get mugged? Yeah, I've it? been mugged. I've oh, been no. threatened to be murdered. Jeez. I've been. Uh, I remember we we i bought a boat in dubai (laughs) uh i was really fucked up one night after a show and we wanted to take a uh these little uh these little tiny boats that go across the dubai creek it's a river yeah but i was with a bunch of comics and they told us that they were closed for the night and i said come on i'll pay you and the guy's like no and i was like come on and he's like no 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 i'm and I think it was the equivalent of like a nickel to go across. It was so cheap. <coughs> and I'm like, wait, so it's like a nickel? <laughs> so I'm like, how much would it cost to buy your boat? And when he told me, I was like, I think we have that, guys. <laughs> and it was probably like 100 bucks each. Yeah. <laughs> and we gave this guy $500 for his boat. <laughs> and we bought a boat. And then we 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 bought him too like he was our and he would he just drove us up and down the dubai creek all night wow While we drank out of a fucking vodka bottle (laughs) which is so illegal and uh i know comedians glenn wool were with me i believe i believe glenn wool was with me eddie brimson who's like a famous former soccer hooligan I think Mickey D, this Australian comedian was with me. I I could be wrong. I might be blurring a bunch of stories cuz I have I have like I could write a book about my experiences in the Middle East, but and they probably as the stories get older and older, they get more and more embellished, crazier. But i I've I've done podcasts where they tell the story and apparently I tried to take the boat to Iraq. <laughs> and I'm talking this is like this is like a gondola, basically, <laughs> like that you see, you know, with the guy with the pole. Right. It's got a little motor. But I said to the guy, come on, let's take this. Di-. I knew the opening of the Dubai Creek was into the Gulf of Oman. Mm-hmm. And I knew that Iraq was on the Gulf of Oman. <laughs> I didn't know how far it was. The water looked very calm to me. <laughs> I'm like, I think we can make it across. It'll be really fun. This is in the middle of the Iraqi war. Yeah. And I'm thinking, if we land, and I'm American. <laughs> the troops are going to be like, holy shit, this is hilarious. <laughs> you know, these guys showed up and and, it, and that was like the alcohol talking, you know, probably about halfway through the night when I realized it's like a, you know, 500-mile f- trip across the... <laughs> I like, This was a really bad... We're out of gas? <laughs> yeah, you know, And the guy couldn't speak English and he's yelling at me and I'm yelling at him. But what I found out the next day was uh, apparently the Dubai military has you know like they protect the gulf like the opening of the creek into the gulf and they would have shot us if we tried to like
0: like submarines and stuff like everything no just
1: like like, somebody told me this lived in (laughs) dubai they're like if you guys tried to exit the dubai creek into the gulf of oman there would have been like the equivalent of their coast guard would have captured you oh and been like, you know, because you could be trafficking or doing what the fuck are you, you know, <laughs> just wasted, <and>, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, great! And you got open containers. You're in a Muslim country. You're just fucking idiots. And then it would have been off to jail. No, and, this is my boat.
0: This is yeah, my yeah, boat. Yeah,
1: I bought this boat. I own this boat, and I own that guy. <laughs> And it was so like ugly American. Right. You know, like, how much do you want for it? We'll buy it. We'll buy and, and we'll buy you. <laughs> I remember trying to uh let me drive it. And I was like, Let me drive the boat and the guy just didn't speak any English and he was like, No and I'm like, I own this boat. <laughs> like, this this is my I am and Captain The <laughs> worst part is we gave the boat back to him. <laughs> like like I should have kept it. I should have sold it. The guy made a killing, yeah. <laughs> Should have sold the boat.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much for talking
1: with oh, me. Oh no today. problem. Really Thanks for having it. me. Thanks, Thanks for coming man. out here.
0: Thank you so much.